Greetings, listeners. It's great to have you with us as we set out on another excursion on our one-year journey through the Bible. Each day we come to new territory and make new discoveries. Today is May 25th. This is the One-Year Bible Tour Guide, a daily podcast with readings and an accompanying commentary to highlight features you don't want to miss. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher of New Life Community Church in the historic town of Concord, Massachusetts. Sometimes our town of Concord and nearby Lexington are referred to as the Cradle of Liberty because of the featured shot heard around the world when the British met its first resistance from the embattled farmers which sparked the War of Independence. But our town of Concord is also known for its literary community, particularly its 19th century authors of Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, Louisa May Alcott, the author of Little Women, Nathaniel Hawthorne, and many others. I like to point out how Bible reading was an important part of our national heritage and influenced English and American literature. Think of the titles of our classics, The Power and the Glory, Measure for Measure, The Sun Also Rises, East of Eden, Absalom, Absalom, Grapes of Wrath, Lord of the Flies, Evil Under the Sun. You can scan the titles on the bookshelf and see many quotes from Scripture. For instance, in Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin, the author has nearly a hundred different quotations from the Bible, mainly the King James Version. Understanding the book is difficult if you have no knowledge of the Bible. Bible reading was instrumental in the life of William Wilberforce and those who labored for the abolition of slavery. Frederick Douglass reflected on the premise that reading the Bible will make a person unfit to be a slave, for the truth will make you free. Douglass wrote of his own past when he said, I have gathered scattered pages from this holy book from the filthy street gutters of Baltimore and washed them and dried them so that in the moments of my leisure I might get a word or two of wisdom from them. Although the Bible was not a Western book, its authors writing primarily in the Middle East, it is often identified with the Western tradition because it is its single greatest source. Northrop Frye, the most influential literary scholar of the second half of the 20th century, believed that the Bible should form the basis of literary education. He famously wrote that, quote, the Bible should be taught so early and so thoroughly that it sinks straight to the bottom of the mind where everything that comes along later can settle on it, end quote. Well, we are reading the Bible today not only for its literary value, but for its transformative value. Through the scriptures, we meet our Redeemer, the lover of our soul, our rescuer, our friend, the Holy Son of God, the Word made flesh, the anointed King, prophet, and priest, the Christ, who is now the head of a new creation and the author and finisher of our faith. So let's go to today's reading. We are in the Old Testament book of Second Samuel today, and we'll start where we left off yesterday. Today we come to an important part of the Old Testament in which the Lord makes a covenant with David. This covenant will give further definition to the messianic promise. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? 
I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, and accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God, You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come, and this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people, whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself your people, Israel, to be your people forever, And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. 
Now therefore may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Chapter 8 After this David defeated the Philistines and subdued them, and David took Metheg Amma out of the hand of the Philistines. And he defeated Moab, and he measured them with a line, making them lie down on the ground. Two lines he measured to be put to death, and one full line to be spared. And the Moabites became servants to David and brought tribute. David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rahab, king of Zobah, as he went to restore his power at the river Euphrates. And David took from him one thousand seven hundred horsemen and twenty thousand foot soldiers. And David hamstrung all the chariot horses, but left enough for one hundred chariots. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David struck down twenty-two thousand men of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Aram of Damascus. And the Syrians became servants to David and brought tribute. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. And David took the shields of gold that were carried by the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. And from Beta and from Barothai, cities of Hadadezer, King David took very much bronze. When Toi, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the whole army of Hadadezer, Toi sent his son Joram to King David to ask about his health and to bless him because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him, for Hadadezer had often been at war with Toi. And Joram brought with him articles of silver, of gold, and of bronze. These also King David dedicated to the Lord, together with the silver and gold that he dedicated from all the nations he subdued, from Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadadezer, the son of Rahab, king of Zobah. And David made a name for himself when he returned from striking down 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Then he put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom he put garrisons, and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and equity to all his people. Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was over the army, and Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder, and Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were priests, and Seraiah was secretary, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and David's sons were priests. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament book of Second Samuel. Let's take a few moments to reflect. Even Nathan, the prophet, sometimes gets it wrong. He speaks what he thinks best based upon what he knows. When David tells him that he wants to build a house for the Lord, a permanent fixture for the Ark of the Covenant, Nathan says, Go for it, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3. Then the word of the Lord comes to Nathan, saying, in effect, Hold your horses. When did I ever say, Why have you never built me a house of cedar? In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 7. Notice what the Lord does say. I have not dwelt in a house. Chapter 7, verse 6. I have been moving from place to place. In chapter 7, verse 7. I have been with you wherever you have gone. In verse 9a. 
I have cut off your enemies, in verse 9b, and I will make your name great, in verse 9c, I will provide a place for my people Israel so they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed, in verse 10. I will also give you rest from all your enemies, in verse 11, and I will establish a house for you, in verse 11. Then we have a significant messianic promise known as the Davidic Covenant. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12-16 through 16. God did not want David to build the temple. That assignment would be given to his son, Solomon. This would foreshadow the fact that a spiritual house made of living stones would be built by the greater son of David, Jesus Christ. The fact that God rejected David's request that he himself would build a temple does not mean that God rejected David. He had something greater for David than the prestige of building the temple. God promised to build a dynasty from David, a kingdom that would reign eternally. David's earthly dynasty ended four centuries after this promise was given. But Jesus of Nazareth is a direct descendant of David. The Lord Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the Davidic covenant promise. The Apostle Peter declares this fact in his first sermon on the day of Pentecost. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exulted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. 
Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. David's response to this covenant promise is one of worship and praise. Who am I? 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 18. What more can I say? Chapter 7, verse 20. How great you are, sovereign Lord! Chapter 7, verse 22. This also emboldens David to make a prayer request. Now therefore may it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing may the house of your servant be blessed forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 29. In chapter 8, we have the record of David subduing his enemies. The Philistines, Moabites, that is the descendants of Lot who lived east of the Dead Sea, Hadadezer, the king of Zobah, and the Arameans. David's defeat of the king of Zobah fulfilled the promise given to Abraham that Israel would control the land as far north as the Euphrates River. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Genesis chapter 15, verse 18. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6. At this time, we see that David is accumulating precious metals, silver, gold, and bronze. David would collect the materials that would eventually be used by Solomon when he became king in 1 Kings chapter 5 through 7. David reigned over all Israel. For a season, it would be a united kingdom. So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and righteousness for all his people. 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 15. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. We are continuing in Jesus' upper room discourse. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. 
and now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament, the Gospel according to John. One of the signs of having the new life, that is conversion, regeneration by the Holy Spirit, in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, is that we will have new loves. We will love the Lord above all. We will love our neighbor as ourselves. We will love as He loves, in John chapter 13, verse 34. We will love what He loves, the church, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, and 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We will love the lost and seek to win them to Christ, in Luke 19, verse 10. We also have this promise, that we will love and keep His commands, in John chapter 14, verse 15. In the Upper Room Discourse, Jesus repeatedly talks about what He will give His disciples as a result of His going to the cross to propitiate God's justice. He promises to be with us, in chapter 14, verse 16, to be in us, in verse 17, to adopt us, in verse 18, show Himself to us, when the world cannot see Him, in verse 19, and keep us alive in Him forever, in verses 19 and 20. He will do this all by the Holy Spirit, the promised Counselor, the Paraclete, literally, one called alongside to help. If you want to know who really loves the Lord, it is not discernible by the way they feel or what they have experienced, but by the course of action they take. They will obey His commands, in chapter 14, verse 21. Those who obey Him will have a greater revelation of who He is in verse 21. The Holy Spirit is the resident teacher in the life of the believer. He witnesses to the truth of the written word. He reminds us of what God has done and what God has said in Christ in verse 26. He ministers peace to our innermost being. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. This speaks of an objective peace the peace that He accomplished for us by paying our sin debt on the cross in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and Isaiah chapter 40, verse 2. Jesus says, My peace I give unto you. This speaks of subjective peace, peace of heart and mind. It is the peace of His abiding presence within by virtue of the Holy Spirit abiding. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This gives us a hint that our own hearts and minds are prone to being anxious. But because of the promises of God and the Holy Spirit's presence, we are not to let our hearts be troubled. As Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus can say that there is no ally of the devil abiding in him. There is nothing in Jesus' nature that would find Satan's lies attractive. The ruler or the prince of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. John chapter 14 verse 30. We cannot say the same because we still have the influences of the unregenerate nature within but the Apostle John has these words to assure the believer, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms, when we are in this magnificent Psalm 119, as we're going through the Hebrew alphabet, each letter of the alphabet getting eight verses beginning with its letter. Today we read the next two sections of eight verses in Psalm 119. Verses 33 through 40 begin with the letter He, and each verse in verses 41 to 48 
begins with the letter Wal. He is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, an aspirate. This is the breathing letter that was to be inserted as the fifth letter in Abram's name. So Abram became Abraham, and Sarai became Sarah. The breath of the life-giving spirit impacted Abram and Sarai in their old age and enabled them to experience God's grace, God doing for them what they could not do for themselves. So let's start with the first eight verses beginning with the letter Hey. Psalm 119, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. And now for eight verses, all beginning with the Hebrew letter, Wal. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Let's take a moment to meditate upon these statutes. In the first section, under the letter Hey, we can think about how God's grace has breathed the life of His Spirit in us and enabled us to be taught in Psalm 119, verse 33. His life in us enables us to understand, in verse 34, to obey, in verse 35, to be directed, to find delight in His Word, and to turn our hearts away from vain pursuits for selfish gain. The psalmist recognizes his vulnerability and asks to be given help to give attention to divine impulses rather than the deceitful impulses of his own corrupt nature. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Psalm 119, verse 37. He recognizes the value of the word in producing greater reverence in verse 38, deeper convictions in verse 39, and personal revival in verse 40. The sixth letter of the alphabet, Wa or Vav, starts each of the verses 41 through 48. The psalmist loves the word and recognizes that it is trustworthy, revealing the plan of salvation in verse 41 and giving him wisdom in dealing with his enemies in verse 42. He once again knows his vulnerability and that he sometimes forgets the word and needs to stay alert and wait for a clear understanding of what God is requiring of him in verse 43. He resolves to delight in the word and keep it continually in verse 44 and verse 47. Once again, we hear of the liberation that comes when we believe the truth of God's word. The truth will make you free. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. Psalm 119, verse 45. 
He resolves not to fear men or be ashamed of God's word, but boldly speak God's truth before kings in verse 46. Now let's go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. And we're reading today Proverbs chapter 15, verse 33. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. When we humble ourselves before God, give proper reverence to His word, esteeming His counsel above all, He will exalt us in good time. Let's conclude our time together in prayer. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son, who is the promised Son of David, who is coming to establish His kingdom in righteousness. Even now we experience your kingdom rule in our hearts, not only a right standing before you through his perfect work of redemption on the cross, but also his righteousness, peace, and joy in us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He has made peace for us by shedding his blood as a perfect atoning sacrifice for our souls on the cross. But he's also imparted peace to us through the ministry of his Spirit. We have peace of heart and mind. We thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We pray for the ministry of your word in the world today. Send laborers into the harvest field. Turn hearts and draw them to your Son. We ask this in the name, the matchless name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, that sums up our reading for today, May 25th from the One Year Bible, and we look forward to continuing our journey tomorrow, and we hope you can be with us. We love staying in touch with our Bible reading community. If you'd like to contact us, you can write an email addressed to podcast at newlife.org and we'll be in touch with you. And if you would like to know more about New Life Community Church or New Life Fine Arts and its ministries, you can go to our websites, www.newlife.org or newlifefinearts.org. You can also subscribe to our daily written copy of our daily commentary by signing up on the website. Well, until tomorrow, may the peace of the Lord continue to abide in your hearts. Shalom.